Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Father in heaven, almighty God, you are faithful in your love. And we thank you and we praise you for your grace that you have poured out on us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us today through the scriptures. Speak to us. Speak to our situation as a church. Speak to our situations as individual people in our families and in our life journeys. And God, strengthen us to love and serve you and to live our lives filled with the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we had one of those big, who are we as a church? Who are we called to be as a church kind of talk? And if you'll remember, one of the things that I uh, reminded us of is that when Jesus began his ministry here on earth, one of the primary things that he did is he called together a community of followers. And that community of followers was called to learn from him, to to pattern their lives on him. Everything that Jesus did, they were going to be able to do by his power and authority. And that community was called to embody God's kingdom of justice and reconciliation. And this Uh, This is the the community that we are called to be a part of by the power of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, God's family, empowered by God's spirit to live in God's kingdom, full of his justice and reconciliation. And if you remember last week, there were three encouragements or challenges or exhortations that I gave us as a church. The first one was to embrace or to own the power that God has given us in his body in the church. Many of us have leadership positions in the church. We need to embrace that power and recognize that whenever God gives us power, it is for the blessing of others. And he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to embody his kingdom of justice and reconciliation. So the first challenge last week was embrace the power that God has given us in his body. The second one was to trust the presence and the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, to trust the Holy Spirit. And the third one was to embrace God's healing for us as individuals and as a community. And today's passage is going to give us a chance to explore what it might look like for us as a community of followers of Jesus to embrace the power that he's given us, to trust the Holy Spirit. And we might get a chance to reflect a little bit on what the healing means. But to be honest, if you remember the story... These people that Jesus is working with initially, they all hate, like many of them in his own group of disciples did not like each other. So the fact that they do what, we talk, what we're going to talk about today is actually a sign of God's power because these guys who were enemies of each other, now in today's reading, they get sent out in pairs to proclaim Jesus' kingdom, to heal and to cast out demons in the power of Jesus' name. These enemies have become partners. They've become family. 
And that's what we're called to be as well. So let's read from the scriptures. Mark chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked him. Or they asked, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles or deeds of power there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when we think about this community of Jesus followers, the first thing we want to notice is where they are. And we see in verse 1 that they are with Jesus as he goes back to his hometown. And so these guys who are called and who are called to embrace God's power, as we are called to embrace God's power, are beginning by learning of Jesus and they're watching, they're learning of Jesus by watching him and being with him. And I want us to, to imagine ourselves there with the disciples, if you will. Imagine that you're going back to the hometown of your rabbi, your teacher. You're going back to his family. And this is the guy that you have been spending time with. You've been transformed by his teaching. And you're in a communal culture. So it's like, man, you, you're all family. You are connected. And you get back to his village. And maybe there's some meals that you all attend together. And you're, you're hanging out. You get to know the cousins and everybody else and the extended family. And it's a good time. And then you're looking forward to what your rabbi is going to teach you when you all get there to the Sabbath, to the synagogue. And you gather together in the room and the women are on one side, the men are on the other side, and Jesus, your rabbi, gets up to speak. And he begins to teach, and you're like, oh, I like this part. He's going to talk about how we love our enemies. And you look at this guy who's your partner, and you're like, we used to hate each other, but now we love each other. And you're like, Jesus is such a great teacher. And you, as his disciple, are watching and receiving and learning from Jesus. And then you begin to look at the way that the women over there are interacting, and the men over here are reacting and you begin to hear the chatter, and people are saying, ah, what's this wisdom that's been given to him? Hmm, what are these remarkable miracles? Really? Miracles? I don't see any miracles. Do you see miracles? And you're sitting there, and you're thinking, what is going on with this crowd? Like, these are Jesus' people, and they're, they're bad-mouthing him. They're saying he doesn't have wisdom. They're saying he doesn't do miracles. They're like, we, how many people have we seen him 
heal. What about that leper? And you're thinking to yourself, what is wrong with this crowd? And then you hear people keep chirping. They keep insulting. They're like, isn't this guy the, the carpenter's son? Who does he think being a rabbi? Who does he think he is? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't he the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters over there on the other side of the room? And as a disciple, you're watching as this whole crowd of Jesus' own family, his own village, turns on him and takes offense at him. What do you think you would feel if you were there? I bet some of us would get a little bit offended on Jesus' behalf. <laughs> then we'd be like, what? You people don't know Jesus the way that I know Jesus. You think you know Jesus, but I know Jesus. And we might want to defend him. Others of us might feel ashamed, right? And think, oh my goodness, like if his own people won't embrace him, like what's going on? And I bet if you loved Jesus, as, as you do, that you would be wondering, like what is Jesus feeling right now? Like, this is, these are his people. These are the people that he's wanted to come to. He, like, all of the good things that he's given to us, he wants to give to these people here. All of the miracles that he's been doing elsewhere, I mean, how delighted would he be to do miracles for these people? Like, why are they so angry at him? This must be hurting Jesus. And then, if you're really... If you're really, really struggling, I mean, you'd think about like, what's it like for your rabbi to be embarrassed in front of his own students? Oh my gosh, right? That's bad. You can imagine the weight of shame and pain, maybe confusion that Jesus' disciples are experiencing because these people in his town are taking offense at him. They don't trust him. They don't believe him. But isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't respond out of shame? Jesus doesn't take that pain that they've all put on him, and he doesn't get grumpy at them. He doesn't say, guys, I came here, I want to bless you, and you're just like, what are you doing? He, there's no fight. He doesn't shame them back. He doesn't, he doesn't react out of that pain. Instead, he tells them a proverb, as a good rabbi does. And the proverb is, no prophet is without honor except in his own town, among his own family, among his own people. And really, that proverb, he's, Jesus very clearly says, I am the prophet. I am a prophet, right? But the only place that a prophet receives no honor is among the people that don't recognize them as a prophet. And the, the honor that would be the, 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 honor, the, the honor that the community could experience if they had embraced Jesus as the prophet. Oh, it could have been theirs, but they removed the honor from the prophet by insulting him, while the community then also experiences dishonor, right? But Jesus doesn't look at them and then say, all right, you guys, you dishonored me. It's only here among your own, my, my, own pro, my own family that I'm going to experience dishonor. So forget you. No healing for you. Jesus doesn't respond out of pain. He doesn't respond out of shame. Instead, he continues to give the gift. As much as he is able to give it, he gives the gift that he has to give. So he 
He knows that because they don't believe him, there is a barrier. It says very clearly that he can't do powerful miracles there because they do not believe. But that doesn't mean that Jesus stops looking for places to offer healing. The whole community is filled with unbelief, but there are still individuals who believe. And so Jesus goes and lays hands on those few sick and heals them. And I just think that's funny, right? Because for most of us, like one healing, one miraculous healing is like, wow, the spirit of the Lord has fallen in this place. This is amazing. In Jesus' time, it's like, well, one healing, that's too bad for the community. There could have been so much more. But Jesus continues to give. He doesn't respond out of the shame and the pain. He gives the gift that has been given to those who are willing to receive it. He still teaches them. He heals those who are willing to receive the healing. And then he moves on. And so Jesus' disciples, these people who he has called together to learn from him, they have now watched their rabbi endure public shaming at the hands of the people who know him best the people he loves, the people closest to him. And they have seen him not respond with pain and shame, but he, they've seen him respond with a word and with generous action. They have seen it. And so they have seen Jesus embody God's kingdom of grace. His generous grace. And then they move on. Now, I don't know what they were all feeling, but I know that Jesus is an excellent teacher. That sets them up so well for what comes next. Because what's coming next is that Jesus is going to send them out to the villages all around. And in those villages all around, they are going to need to find, like, to speak the truth of Jesus to people. They're going to need to exercise the power that he's going to give them. They're also going to need to know how to endure rejection. And so they have watched Jesus and learned from him how to deal with rejection without letting that rejection side, like, like, like sidetrack everything. Jesus continued to give. He responded with the word. He responded with generous grace. And then he moved on. And that's what they're going to need to do. So the first thing Jesus' disciples do is they learn from him. And then when they are sent out by Jesus, they need to learn to live with people. And this is something that we as a church already recognize. There are people here who are part of what we call move-in. Move-in is a community of followers of Jesus all around the world who choose to move into neighborhoods that most people would only live in if they have to. And move-in people move there by choice uh, to places where people have not heard the good news of Jesus, where there is a high density of folks, and they commit to praying and serving and sharing the hospitality of God's kingdom there, they go and they live among the people that Jesus loves, even if these people have not heard of the love of Jesus yet. In fact, they go there to share the love of Jesus with them. And many of the folks in our church have been shaped by move-in or participate in move-in. It's a wonderful thing. And Jesus, when Jesus sends his followers out, he gives them instructions that will shape the way that they live in those villages. And this is actually really uh, important for us as a church, but it's also very challenging. Because do you notice how Jesus sends them out and he says, there's a lot of stuff you should not take. Do not take extra money. Do not take an extra shirt. Do not take, I think he says, loaves of bread. Am I right about that? 
Yep, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. He says, wear your sandals, but not, don't take an extra shirt. Why would he give them those instructions? Why are those instructions important? Why is it important not to take bread, not to take a bag, and not to take money? And why are you not allowed to take an extra shirt? I don't, I'm not sure if I was going, if I would take this shirt specifically. I might get something more comfortable or durable. I don't know. Well, what's up with that? Well, one possible answer, which I think is pretty trustworthy, is that Jesus' instructions create a need that his followers will have. They will need to rely on the hospitality of the people in the villages where they're going. They don't have extra food for themselves, so they're going to need to rely on the hospitality of strangers, which in their time was very common. People like just recognized we all need to be hospitable in order to survive in this hard world, and so that's pretty normal. But for them to go without material, like they can't pay with money for the gifts that they're going to receive because they don't have extra cash. So what it does is it creates a big need in them, and then the, it creates an inability for them to respond to that need physically. So they've got to trust the people that they're going to. They've got to receive hospitality from the people that they're going to. And when it's time for them to reciprocate hospitality, they've got to offer the blessings of the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells them to go without all the things that they need so that other people can meet their needs. And when it's time to, for, for Jesus' followers to offer hospitality or, or thanks in return, they get to offer the blessings of the kingdom of God. They get to set people free from demons. They get to heal people. They get to bring people the good news of Christ. And so you could say that Jesus sends his followers out to be vulnerable and that when we live with others as Jesus' followers, we are called to be vulnerable. And that is hard for us in our society here in Canada. In Canada, where our houses are enclosed, windows shut all the way, we're actually more concerned about not disturbing our neighbors than we are about depending on our neighbors. Uh, Kimberly, my, my wife's family in particular, are very, very, sh uh, very shrewd with their money. And one of the big values in their family is that they not depend on other people for their finances. They just want to be self-sustaining. There's a very deep uh, cultural value here that says, if you can make it on your own, that's better. And so for us as Jesus followers to say, oh, actually, we're going to live in a way that's vulnerable. We're going to actually choose to be honest with our needs and, and actually receive from our neighbors is hard for us. It's hard for us. But it's actually beautiful. How many times have you been in a situation of need where you've been embarrassed? You're like, I do not want to have to ask for this. I don't want to be in a situation where, where I need somebody else to help me. But somebody comes along and meets your need graciously. And they don't require repayment. And you feel incredibly loved. And you recognize that God has been providing for you. You see, Jesus is, 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 is sending his followers out in a vulnerable way, so that when they live with other people, they are receiving the life of God from the people they're serving, as well as offering those people the life of God. And so, you know, as we go through different stories in our church, right, as people like Kenny and Akai move here to London, as Corey and Jess set up their, uh, their clinic, as various, like all within our church, there are these challenges that we face, things that we are called to be about, and we feel like our need is crippling. 
And we might feel embarrassed that we need things and we feel, might feel weak. Friends, in the kingdom of God, that weakness is actually our strength. That need is there so that we can experience and share the generosity of our heavenly father. Those needs in our lives are not there to, to make us embarrassed and they're not there so that we can use other people, but they are there so that the, sh- the giving and sharing in the kingdom of God can multiply and people can rejoice in God's goodness as a community. So they need to learn to live with people. And the other thing that living with people and receiving hospitality does is it creates amazing opportunities for stories, right? So imagine, if you will, that you were in a village in Palestine thousands of years ago. I mean, this would be crazy if it happened right now. So imagine you were at home. And somebody comes knocking on your door or, or somehow you signed up for a program that allows you to host international people in your house. And so people come to your house and, uh, and you, you get this email, you're going um, to receive Saddam and you're going to receive Peter. So Saddam and Peter come to your house and you're like, great, welcome Saddam, welcome Peter, isn't it great that you're here? Do you guys like regular, like, do you like plain rice or how do you take your rice? And you have a whole conversation about food and it's wonderful. And then Saddam and Peter are are there, and you're like, so guys, tell me, how come you're traveling together? And Peter says, well, I was part of the American military, and I went to Afghanistan, and I was there to uh, basically fight against the Taliban. And um, while I was there, I was injured, and uh, and I was was actually captured by the Taliban, and uh, Saddam was one of my captors. And he tortured me for a while. And you're, and you're sitting here thinking, uh, the news should not be at my dinner table. This is crazy. And so you, 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 you might say, that can't be true. Really? And then, no, that's true. Saddam nods his head. Yep, I actually, yeah, we wounded him. He was injured in the battlefield. We captured him. And then um, we had him in prison. And we were interrogating him. And I was one of his interrogators. And I, I tortured him. I mean, wouldn't your jaw drop? Like, how are you guys living together? What is happening? And then they tell you the story. Well, what happened was that um, one day a Jewish rabbi came to the prison. And uh, Saddam was, was eating lunch. And this Jewish rabbi said, hey, come follow me. And Saddam thought, I should follow this Jewish rabbi. And they ended up having Peter released. And turns out Peter also was called to follow this Jewish rabbi. And this Jewish rabbi sat them down and said, guys, you're called to love one another. You're called to be a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of people. And I'm going to send you out to the cities of the world where you will proclaim my kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And around your table, what you see in Saddam and in Peter is the power of God to overcome evil in our lives, to make enemies friends, and to, and to display his glory and power in our lives. That's what's going on when Jesus sends these disciples out two by two. The people who receive them in the village get to hear the story of how it is that Matthew and Peter are friends. How Simon the Cananean and John, the son of Zebedee, the terrorist and the businessman, how they're friends. Because you're together as a team. 
following Jesus. And that's what happens when we live with each other, right? That's what happens when we receive hospitality from other people. And for us as a church, this is actually uh, our way. This is the way that God calls us to walk. And it's why it's okay for ministry to take a long time. Because it's, it's, in the, it's in having people around the table and getting to know people life on life and hearing the story of God in each other's narratives. That's where we taste the kingdom of God. We taste the beauty of Jesus. And we are transformed. And other people, as they are drawn into the friendships and the partnerships that God builds here at Mosaic, they get to see who Jesus is and they get to learn to follow him with us. Because what Jesus wants to do in us is not just for us, it's for all people. So they learn from Jesus. They got to learn to live with people. And then they get to liberate people. And this is amazing. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting the Jesus authority and power, becomes extremely practical. As those guys have been living with folks in these villages, now it's time to reciprocate the hospitality that they've received, and they're going to set people free from demons and from disease and from deception. So they're going to give them good teaching. They're going to set them free and offer them spiritual freedom in Jesus Christ, and they're going to offer them wholeness in their bodies. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit of God is at work in these pairs, just two guys, 12 people, right, sent out to different villages in the middle of nowhere. But it was real. And this is the amazing thing, right? You think about how Jesus was just rejected at his hometown. He was just rejected and turned away, and he could do no deeds of power there, except maybe heal a few people. So what's his response? I'm going to send out 12 of my people to go do the things that I couldn't even do at my hometown. What a gift of grace to his hometown, right? Like, small town people talk, and before long they're going to hear, oh, Jesus' followers were over in that place over there. And they did this amazing miracle. And man, those people love them. What? Jesus didn't do that here. I wonder why not. And the giving of God's grace around the people who have rejected Jesus is a sign of hope and grace for the people that have rejected him. Does that make sense? Jesus sends his followers out so that the people who have even rejected him can see his power and his grace at work as the community talks. So they get to offer liberation. And last... They get to model what Jesus has done. And this takes a while, right? After Jesus has died and risen from the dead and poured out the Holy Spirit, these followers of Jesus are let loose and they let others loose. They let people loose to go and serve Jesus and to live the life of the kingdom themselves. And so for us as a church, we have the privilege of being able to liberate, to offer liberty to people, spiritual liberty, physical healing, good teaching from Jesus. And we also have the privilege of letting people loose, learning to train people up and to set them loose so that they become agents of God's kingdom as well. That is the picture. That is the story from generation to generation to generation. And we are here today because that's the life of Jesus in our world. And we've received it. And so I want to again remind you that we are called to embrace this power of God. As a church, we are called to embrace the power that he has given us. And friends, when you think about the teams that you're a part of at Mosaic, as you think beyond our summer, you want to be thinking about, well, how do we live these things together? How do we learn from Jesus together as a team? You know, we, often when you gather as a team, you'll spend some time reading the scriptures. How could you deepen that? 
How do we learn from Jesus together as a team? How do we watch him, even in his rejection, continue to offer grace? Secondly, how do we share life with each other? And how do we invite new people to share life with us? How do we live well together as a team? When we do that, there's so much joy. Oh my gosh, there's so much joy. Third, how do we offer liberty to the people around us? How do we receive the liberty of Jesus as a team? And what liberty is he calling us to offer others? And last, at some point, we want to let loose, let each other loose to go and love and serve him so that others can also experience the kingdom of God with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you because you truly are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that story about Saddam and Peter is not, um, I, is not beyond you. You have done that many, many times throughout history. And we pray that you would do that work in our hearts, that you would overcome our own shame and pain, our fear of rejection. Uh, Lord, would you free us from that so that we are able to give generously the way that you have given generously to us, even to those who reject us and shame us and insult us. God, we pray for more faith. We pray, we pray for creativity. But God, we pray above all for the leading and power of your Holy Spirit, that in our teams and in our families and in our life and our neighborhood and in our workplace, your Spirit would lead us with power to be agents of your kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com.